Lord God, thank you for uh, just being here right now, and we thank you for your word. Thank you for bringing us here to this place, Lord, and those who are connected online, I thank you for them. Those listening in right now, God, I pray that you bless them and bless us here, God, as we open your word, as we study it, God, and may you speak to us through your spirit right now. Lord, open our understanding, God. Help us, Lord, tonight to really dive into your word and to come to a place where we embrace it fully, God, as your spirit, Lord God, is moving upon us. And so I pray for your blessings, for your anointing, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Inside the locker room at a golf club, a cell phone rings several times until a man picks it up and puts it on speaker. The man says, hello. A woman's voice comes on and and you can hear her say, hi, honey. I'm at the shop and I found this beautiful leather coat. Well, it's 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 only a thousand dollars. <laughs> if if it's okay, can can I buy it? Well, the man responds and says, "Sure, go ahead if you really like it." The woman's voice comes on again, says, "Oh, thank you, thank you, sweetie. Uh, I I also saw this diamond bracelet, and and it goes with the coat. And you know what? It's only five thousand dollars." Well, the man says, well, if it goes with the coat, might as well get it. Well, the woman's voice comes on again and says, oh, thank you. Thank you. You're so sweet. Oh, and one more thing. I saw the new Lexus out on the lot. You know, the one I've been waiting for. Can can I buy it? It's on sale. $70,000. The man says, okay, as long as it's on sale. So the woman's voice comes back and says, Oh, thank you. I, uh, thank you. I, I love you, honey. Bye-bye. And the man says, Bye-bye. Love you too. Well, after the man hangs up the phone, the other men in the locker room are looking in total shock. He had it on speakerphone, right? The man looks around, and then he smiles and he asks, Anyone know whose phone this is? <laughs> How easy it is to make decisions on how to spend someone else's money, right? (laughs) It's easy. But I'll tell you, that's the problem we can have when we handle God's money. As we return to our study through the book of Luke, Jesus teaches on how we are really only stewards or managers of the resources God has given us to oversee. So tonight we see how important it is to be good stewards of God's money. And that's our title tonight, Good Stewards of God's Money. We are, as I mentioned, in Luke chapter 16, and tonight we're going to be studying verses 1 through 13. So Luke chapter 16, 1 through 13. And tonight in our passage, we have uh, three headings for our outline. And this is what we're going to see. Jesus really saying, number one, be resourceful. Number two, be reliable. And number three, be resolved. So that's our outline tonight. And that's what we're going to see. So let's begin with number one in our outline. Be resourceful. Be resourceful. Now, 
This is going to take us from verse 1 to verse 9 if you're taking notes. But first of all, let's look at the first two verses in this chapter. The first two verses. Luke chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. It says here, He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. All right, we'll stop there. Now we begin with Luke now writing about this story, this parable basically that Jesus had given the disciples. That's the person he in the first verse. Now remember in the last chapter, uh, Jesus had given uh, several parables, serious parables about the love and mercy of God towards sinners. And it was just something the Pharisees weren't doing. Well, here now, away from the Pharisees and them, uh, Jesus is with his disciples and he's teaching them on, on really what's important, sort of not what the Pharisees are into. And what's important is, well, your eternal future and not so much the riches and possessions of this world that the Pharisees focus in on. They focus in on the money. And actually, next time in our next section, we're going to get into that a little bit more as Jesus talks to Pharisees. So now Jesus gives this parable and he tells the disciples, hey, there was this, this rich man and he had this manager. Now, in my mind, because in my mind, I still have the old King James there. Uh, this is the word steward. You probably heard this and read that, but the old uh, translation is steward. So, But a steward is a manager, right? And this steward, this manager was hired by this rich man to oversee this man, this rich man's estate. And he oversaw, he was the manager over all the servants, uh, all the food, running of the estate. And also he was in charge of all his master, the rich man's business transaction. So he, he was like the number uh, two guy next to the rich man that the rich man hired to take care of all this for him. Now, this was a very important position. And it really is only given to someone you trusted totally. But charges were brought, says here in verse 1, about this manager, this steward, that the steward was wasting the rich man's possessions and his money and everything, his business and everything. The word wasting here in original language means squander or scatter. In other words, this manager mismanaged the master's financial affairs. So he, he didn't really handle it rightly, uh, trustingly, he actually squandered it for his own sake. He was using the monies to, to kind of give himself a good lifestyle. He was basically siphoning off the money to support his interests, his high living, and whatever he wanted to do with the money. So, in this parable, the rich man hears about this, and there's some things going on. So he calls the steward and he calls him and says, what's this I hear about you? There's some accusations. There's some rumors. There's some things that are going in. Well, you know, you got to go get your books and turn them in so I can take accounting of what you've been doing, your management, because, you know, if what I hear is right, you're going to be fired. You cannot hold this position. So that call was made for his books. And so the master basically could come to the bottom of all this. And 
And so with what I told you, what was about to be exposed, well, here's the first thing I want you to see. The steward forgot that he was just a manager and acted like he was the owner of his master's money. Now, I was thinking about this, how this parable comes on the heels at the end of uh, chapter 15. The lesson uh, comes in this parable on the heels of the parable of the prodigal son. And you remember basically that prodigal wasted his inheritance that he received from the father. How he spent it all on prodigal living, on reckless living. And the prodigal took that inheritance. Basically, it was the father's hard-earned money. And partied with it, drank, bought whatever he wanted to buy. And he just spent it all on himself, on whatever he wanted. So I see Luke kind of putting this parable here, flowing from that thought. And this steward now did a similar thing as the prodigal. He took his master's possessions, his master's money, and spent it on whatever he wanted. So put that into your mind right now. It should put in our mind that, you know what, if you think about it, all that we have, our possessions, whatever material goods, our, our money, yeah, maybe you can even go into your whole life. Where does it really come from? It comes from God. He's really the giver, right? God is like the rich man in this story, and the steward is, is like us. Well, the story goes on in verse 3 to verse 7. And it says here, And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. Verse 4, I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He, he said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So this manager, this steward knows he's caught. Knows once they look at the books, he's going to be fired for sure. So in this window of time that he has, while the accounting books are being all gathered t- together and collected, he comes up with this plan. And this plan is really to, to prepare for his future, knowing what's coming, right? So he says, he knows his limits. He cannot dig, he says here, because he's more of an office kind of guy. You know, he's, he's not into that physical labor. And he says, I'm ashamed to beg in verse 3. Well, well, in other words, he doesn't want to live homeless on the street, go out begging, you know. I mean, after this, no one's going to hire right, him. Everyone's going to know what's going on. So, he, so he, he, he comes up with this plan. And he reaches out to his master's debtors, all the ones he was taking care of, all the ones in, in that old the master money. And he cleverly uh, comes up with this scheme to give favor so that in return he would have a place to stay, he could, he could live, he could go on. Well, with the little time he still had that authority as a steward, he went and and did these things. He went and gained 
went and got favors from the debtors. For example, we see here that uh, in uh, verse 5, one of the debtors, he said, how much do you owe my master? And the guy said, well, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. He said, take your bill, sit down quickly, write 50. So he cut his debt half, 50% off, just like that. And he still had the authority to do that. Then to another one in verse 7, how much do you owe? Oh, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to them, well, you know, take your bill and write 80. No longer 180, 20% off for you. Still using his authority before it ends. Now it would seem like most likely he canceled or reduced the debt of all his master's uh, business uh, guys who owed the master business because says so summoning in verse 5 his master's debtors one by one so most likely he went to all of them and he cut their debt down or took it away now this is what we see this steward knows that right now he has the power and opportunity to prepare for his future that's what he's he's, he's taking advantage of that of the time that he has an opportunity and the power he's going to prepare for his future coming up understand in the jewish culture uh, reciprocation was big like quid pro quo we would use that today if you do something for me i'll do something for you remember we saw in some past parables oh if you invite me to your banquet i'll invite you to my banquet you know and, and just back and forth that kind of thing so if i do a favor for you you have to do a favor for me so that's how this steward he he, at this moment, had the power and opportunity to prepare for his future. I kind of like that thought if we stop for a moment here. You and I, we have the power and opportunity right now to prepare for our eternal future. Right now, today, before Jesus returns, before we go to heaven. In other words, we have the choice to do something today that will affect our tomorrow. And so, this steward is wise in that way. All right, look at verse 8 now. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. Well, when we come to verse 8, the master finds out what the steward is doing. And surprisingly, it says here in verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. In other words, his shrewdness is how clever he was and resourceful for setting things up for himself. So the rich man's like, the master's like, wow, this, this guy's good. He, he commended, you, you, you're smart, you're amazing. You took the opportunity, you're so resourceful here. I was thinking perhaps the master himself was kind of that way, was shrewd, and maybe the steward even learned from the master how to do these things. So the rich man probably was thinking, you know, if I was him, I would have done the same thing. So he commended this steward. But, I'm sure either way, this guy was fired, you know, for what he was doing. Well, then in the middle of verse 8, Jesus 
makes an interesting comment here. Look at verse 8 once again. Jesus says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So, what he's saying, it's true that the sons of this world are more shrewd. They're more clever. They're more resourceful when dealing with their world, with, with how they do things, how they handle things. They're better at that than the sons of light, like believers. So, how, how can we really understand what Jesus is saying here? Well, first of all, let me tell you what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that it's okay to do dishonest things uh, when you need money, when there's a need, like you need a place to stay, or or you're about to be fired. That that's not not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that that's okay. And also, Jesus is not saying that it's okay to go and manipulate people. To I'll do your favor, so you do a favor for me, right? So that people will owe you. That that's not what he's saying here. What Jesus is saying is this: the people in the world are more resourceful in reaching their worldly goals than believers are. That's, that's basically what he's saying. The people in the world are more resourceful in reaching their worldly goals than believers, than, than what believers do. They're more into this, into using their resources, using, take, making the effort, doing things in, in their things, than what believers are doing with God things. You know, some of you were very resourceful in your B.C. days. You know, B.C. means before Christ, yeah, before you came to Jesus. Some of you, you were really good at your sins. You were really clever and resourceful and getting things that you needed and manipulating people. You were really good at maybe stealing, cheating people, sneaking around. Maybe some of you were really good at lying or, or drug dealing or, or whatever that was to your sins before Christ. You, you, were, you got really good at that. But now as a believer, how's things now? Many have become lazy in their spiritual walk and hardly put any effort, any thought, any resourcefulness into maybe reaching spiritual goals. Maybe uh, 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 being able to find victory in sins and in your flesh. Sometimes we just, oh, we're saved now. We just cruise kind of like, well, what happens will happen. We kind of sit and wait for things to come. We want things done for us rather than working on ways to maybe like understand the Bible more, pray more, uh, learning to love your family more, uh, seeking ways to conquer those sinful habits that you you still struggle with in the flesh. And, this is what Jesus is going to get into later, and looking, we're, we're lazy at looking at ways to bring more people into the kingdom of God. And I think I would say most believers are poor at that. Which, again, he's going to talk about that next. So that's why Jesus says, well, you know, the sons of the light, they're, they're not so great in their things. But guys in the world, they're pretty good and resourceful at what they do. Verse 9, 
Then Jesus says, And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, this is a little bit hard to understand, but he's really tying it into this parable that he just told the disciples. So he says, I tell you, he's, it's like, here's the lesson, you guys. Here's the lessons. Make friends. In other words, make other believers. Like, make eternal friends, yeah, of the kingdom. That's what he's saying. Make friends in that way, yeah. Uh, make, uh, uh, bring more believers into the kingdom so you have new friends with these new uh, be- believing friends like you. Then he says, make friends by unrighteous wealth. In other words, money in the world, worldly riches. In other words, use the money of this world to help people get saved. That's the idea here. And when, he says, these worldly riches fail, when the money is not worth anything anymore, when is that? Well, when we get to heaven and we're living in eternity, what? Money, earthly money is nothing, right? It's, it's not worth anything. He says, then... They, the people who are saved by your investment, will receive or welcome you in heaven. Believers need to be just as resourceful as the world is in bringing people to Christ. So let me reword what Jesus said in this way, and this will be our point. Just as the dishonest manager used the master's money to buy worldly friends in preparation for his future... This is what Jesus is saying. Believers should be good stewards using God's money to make heavenly friends in preparation for eternal life to come. Does that make sense with this story? Right? We want to be witnesses. We want to take our earthly monies to invest in the eternal things and especially for people to be saved. And those people that you invested in, that you gave money so perhaps through that investment, they would come to be saved. They're going to be your friends in heaven. You're going to see them in heaven. They're going to be part of that family and part of the group in heaven. So we should be good stewards using God's money to make heavenly friends in preparation for that eternal life to come. There's an old song by Ray Boltz called Thank You. And, And I love this song. It's a really old song, but... The lyrics talk about how this 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 um, man he dreamed this dream and he went to heaven, and someone came up to him and this man came up to him. Someone came up and they were smiling and they they were saying this in the song. It says, "Friend, you may not know me. You used to teach my Sunday school when I was only eight, and every week you would say a prayer before the class would start. And one day when you said that prayer, I asked Jesus in my heart." Then, in this song, another man came up to him when he was in heaven and told him how when a missionary came to church and shared, you didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. Jesus took the gift you gave, and that's why I am here today. And then in the song, it talks of how one by one people came up. There's so many as far as the eye could see. Uh, And the song says, each life somehow touched by your generosity, little things that you had done, sacrifices made unnoticed on the earth in heaven now 
proclaim. And then the chorus of the song goes, Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a light that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. And I, I just love that thought. You know, where like like the verse in there that talked about the, the missionary, you gave to the missionary or, you know, and that money that actually went to helping somebody come to know Jesus. And then in heaven, there'll be those rewards of seeing those people that we had a small part in and maybe money wise we gave and they came to the Lord because of that ministry we gave to So that's what Jesus is saying, that we should be good stewards using God's money to make heavenly friends in preparation for the eternal life to come. It's the the steward. Yeah, he did it all for his own. Yeah. I mean, he made friends for his so he can have this future life. Well, we are to give and just as shrewdly or resourcefully. Yeah. And cleverly that we may invest in the kingdom. So the question comes up, what kind of steward are you? And again, I remind you, everything we have, all our money, actually belongs to God. And we're like the steward, we're this manager. Um, we're to go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? It's not for me. It's, it's your money. You've allowed me to manage. What, what do you want me to do? Do you spend it for yourself or for the kingdom? Is it are you spending it on what God's will is and what He would like you to spend? Of course, we've got to live. Of course, we've got to pay our rent and, and food and, and all, all that. But ultimately, are we submitted to God, even with our money? So let's be good stewards of God's money. Let's be resourceful, just as this steward was. All right, let's go to number two. Be reliable. Be reliable. And we're going to cover verses 10 through 12 here. Verse 10 now, Jesus goes on and says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in, in a very little is also dishonest in much. Now, Jesus kind of brings out this, this principle, sort of. It, it, it really speaks of character. Yeah, If a person is faithful in very little, if he just has a little... You know, if he's given much, he's going to be faithful in that also. When you're a good steward and with a little bit of money, most likely that's your character. So when there's a lot of money, you're going to be a good steward in that way too. Well, it, the same is true. He says, if one who is dishonest in a little, he's going to be dishonest in much too. So it in the same way, yeah. If if he's gonna be dishonest, not be a good steward, spend it on himself, kind of like cheating, steal, then you know when he has a lot of money, is that gonna change? Jesus is basically saying, no, no. If one is willing to steal a dollar, then also one will be willing to steal thousands. The Scottish theologian James Moffat wrote, "A man's treatment of money is the most decisive test of his character." And then he says how he makes it, and how he spends it. So Jesus brings out here, how, how you spend God's money is, is really shows a reflection of your character. 
Verse 11 now, he says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So, knowing that your character, even with the little, is going to affect a lot, then if you've been faithful uh, managing like if you've not been faithful in in, in managing, uh, or sorry, if you then have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth or like money, right, regular earthly money, who will entrust you to true riches? Jesus is talking about the rewards in heaven, our job later, and what, how we're going to serve Him. And then, if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who's going to give you that which is not your own? In other words. If you've been entrusted uh, and you haven't been faithful, say, of God's money, then will God really give you uh, more to be responsible for later? So if you're not responsible with God's money now, how could he give you more responsibility later? It really comes down to how reliable are you? Jesus is saying, be reliable. You must be reliable with the money that God has given you to manage. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 23? You guys know this. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master, right? And and we look at that finally going to heaven. When we enter in, Jesus is like, Oh, you good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. You know, come in. You've been faithful a little. I'm going to give you much to be over and responsible about. Enter into the joy of heaven. So what matters for the future is what you do with what you've been given today. So keep that in mind right here. The little we've been given, it's going to affect the future. The little that we've been given to manage and be stewards over, it's going to affect what it's going to be later. So what matters for the future is what you do with what you have been given today. A little girl had two nickels in her pocket as she went to church on Sunday and one nickel was for her and the other nickel was for God to give as a tithe in Keiki Church. Well, on her way to class, as she was holding the nickel, she actually accidentally dropped one of the nickels and it rolled down into this drainage grate and disappeared. There was no way to get it. It was gone. She was then uh, heard to say, Oh, well, there goes the Lord's nickel. But is that how we handle our money, right, sometimes? Is, is that what we do? First we see if we have enough to give, and then we give, right? No, we, we know the principles, you know, of tithing. We, we, we've been through that. And we give first. We give our first fruits, like in the Old Testament and what they did. I wonder if that's why there's blessings being withheld. Because maybe the little you have, you haven't been managing well, and so God holds that back because you haven't been giving as you should. Turn over to the left, turn over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. 
God is is talking about this and he's talking to Israel about how they actually rob God. In verse 8, Malachi 3, it says, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. So Israel had been keeping things for themselves. They, they had been giving to the Lord. It was all spending God's money on themselves. And then look at verse 10. God, though, says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And so that is the invitation from God for us. You know what? Give. yeah, Give back to the Lord. Take what He's allowed you to manage and and be faithful and reliable in giving to what He wants you to give for. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in lives being saved. So we need to be good stewards of God's money. Well, let's go on to number three here. Be resolved. Be resolved. Number one is be resourceful. Number two, be reliable. And number three, be resolved. Be resolved. And here's just verse 13, our last verse for tonight. Jesus then says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is a huge thing for Jesus to say. So he finishes here really with this principle he's laying out for the disciples. Now keep in mind, he's addressing the the Pharisee problem and all that coming up. But uh, he says no servant can serve two masters, right? I mean, if you're a servant, you can only have one master. You can't be divided in that way. You're going to either hate one or love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. There's just no way. A servant only has one master. And so, Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. It's either one way or the other. I mean, we understand that, that if we put anything before God or above God, that's an idol in our life, right? And so talking about money, you, you can't have both. Yeah? If you put money before God, then it's like you love your money and you hate God. Or, or you're devoted to your money and you despise God. No, it, yeah, you can't serve both God and money. It cannot be both. Now let me say this. Take note. It's not wrong to have wealth. It's not wrong to be rich or be blessed with money. There's, there's nothing wrong with having money. I mean, we know people in the Bible like Abraham or Job, right? There's many people in the Bible who were very blessed and well off from uh, God's blessings, really. But you don't want that money. You may have money, but you don't want the money to have you, right? That's the idea. You, you, you want to be a good steward, no matter if it's a little or if it's a lot, maybe those who have a lot, it's because they're, they're good with it, you know. Uh, hopefully, uh, most believers who have a lot, they've been faithful with a little, so God blessed them with a lot more. And they, most of the people I know who have money, they use it for what matters. And they're submitted to God. 
So the issue comes down to this, and this is what Jesus is bringing us into in verse 13. You know what? You will serve God or money. Be resolved in who or what you serve. But be resolved in serving God first. That's what's important here. Now, Jesus is talking real plainly here. and He's talking to the disciples because he wants to set in their heart so they don't become like the Pharisees. So they don't fall into the same thinking of the ancient society back then. Understand this. The Pharisees back then, they taught that, you know what, you can be devoted to God and you can be devoted to money. That's why this is like a pretty shocking thing for Jesus to say. You can't serve God and money. They thought, no, that's the way God wants it. See, they believed if you had riches, then that meant that God favored you. And so the money is good. The money is great. And the more you get, the more blessed you are, the more favors you have from God. And that means you're more devoted. So they, they, they were serving both. But Jesus is saying this is not the case. And if you wrap it in with this parable, right, that he just gave, if you wrap it together, uh, uh, what he's saying in verse 13, you know what? If you serve money, then you really only care about yourself. You're, you're only building riches for yourself. So you can spend it on yourself. You don't care that it's God's money, like, like this steward, this bad steward with the rich man's money. No. If you serve money, then it's more about serving really yourself. But if you serve God, then you care more about the money God is given you. And if you serve God, then you take that money and you serve God with that money. You you do what God wants with that money because you see the money is really God's and not yours to do whatever you want. So it all comes down to this. You must choose which one you will serve. God or money cannot be both. Winston Churchill once said, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. A lot of times, I, I feel when God's blessed us with money and our family, I feel like, whoa, God, what, of course, we tithe and help people. And, but what, what do you want, to, want us to do with this? And, and, um, and God's given me some different creative ways to do that, to give, you know. And, and, and I think that's the resourceful side that God wants us to be, you know. And to have an attitude with what we have and when we, what, you know, what we make and all. Like, well, God, yeah, I know you, you provide for us so we can live in our basic necessities and other things. But, but, but then what, Lord, you know. How can we uh, give? How can we help someone be saved? How can uh, we encourage someone? How can we uh, disciple? How can we, you know, all the kingdom kind of work things. And that's life. Yeah, like Churchill said, we make a life by what we give. And I think that's what's important to keep in mind. How can you tell if you're a servant to money? I like these questions that uh, came from the life application commentary. And I'll just throw them out to you. It says, do you think and worry about money frequently? Do you give up doing what you should do? Uh, uh, do you give up doing what you should do 
in order to make more money? Do you depend a great deal of your time caring for your possessions? And the last one is, is it hard to give money away? That, that, was, that was, I think, is the best test. And maybe I would add this. The biggest question, I think, do we consider the money we have as my money or God's money? You guys, let us be the wise steward, the good steward, and all these things. And, and let's follow what Jesus is saying here. You know, time's running out. Jesus is coming back soon. People need to be saved. So it's important to invest in that for ministry, the church, and its effort. Uh, for, for things that um, maybe will help someone. Maybe you'll bless someone with groceries. Maybe, I don't know. But well, whatever that is, let's do it for God according to His will, how He leads us by His Holy Spirit. And, and let's do these things rather than hoarding it for ourselves. I'll close with this. A pastor stood in front of the church one Sunday and told him that he had a special announcement to say. So he got up to the pulpit and he announced that he has this announcement and he said this, I've got some good news and some bad news. The good news is we have enough money to pay for our new building program. But the bad news, it's still in your pockets. <laughs> Let's not be stingy with God's money. But let's be servants of God, not the money, not ourselves. Let's be good stewards of God's money. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you once again for tonight, for a place we can come to, a time in the middle of the week that we can worship you and seek your face, Lord, to feel your spirit. And God, Thank you that we can open your word. And as we have spoken, and or you've spoken really, and as we talked about these things, about being good stewards of your money, God, we first want to acknowledge that everything we have, Lord, is because of you. You've blessed us with it. And as you blessed us with these funds, our bank account, Lord, our salaries, our pay, God, it's it's, it's really all yours. And we just want to lay it before you. Submit it before your will. And ask you, God, to guide us in it. Lord, may we not be like holding tight to the bills, Lord. And to the, the dollars and coins. And, and not wanting to let anything go. But may we, may we be able to... Just give, Lord. Even even if it it's hard because uh, maybe we don't have a lot, but maybe you want us to trust you. But whatever, God, you lead us into, may we give joyfully, cheerfully. May we give sacrificially. May we give because we know this is what you want and this is what you're asking. And may we give because, Lord, this money, earthly money can be used for eternal purposes and that's what's amazing to me so god may your kingdom be furthered may souls be saved may 
ministry be expanded, God. May missionaries be able to continue on, Lord. May evangelists continue to preach the gospel. And may the church continue to be a place where we can be discipled and grow in you. And so, Lord, we give you our wallets, our purses, our bank accounts, our paychecks, everything, God, we place in your hands. And we are this life you've given us, we submit to you as well as all of our money. Thank you, God, for tonight and your word. God, really, all we really need is you, right? I mean, money, yeah, we need to live on money. Yeah, we can buy things that you bless us with, God. Uh, we can buy gifts for others. But ultimately, God, it's you, Lord, that we need and we desire most of all. So may money never take the place of you, Jesus, in our lives. In your name, amen.